Is this being recorded? Is are we recording? Yes. Okay, great. How often are you? Do you think about the Roman Empire? Absolutely never. Ever. Ever. Interesting. Yeah. I. What about what? I told my wife I was like the problem with this question is as someone who preaches. The New Testament is just saturated in the Roman Empire, so I think about it at least three times a month. Yes, but that's because you read your Bible. Because reads his Bible three times a month. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just. I feel like it's like I don't think about the premise of like how long did it take them to like collapse. You're not thinking about Caesar Augustus. Why right now? When I read the Bible, I'm thinking and meditating on the Lord. Okay, so Rory's not doing that. Hey everyone, welcome to the Preaching Lab Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us. This episode is, this is like our third take at this point. Um, we're having too much fun, uh, but we're so glad that you've joined us. I am joined here uh, with two special guests, two people that are just having so much fun today. Um, one of those guests is Aaron Olson. Aaron is the executive pastor of all sorts of things at New Life Church. Yes. What do you oversee just to help the Creative people? Communication and Production. Executive pastor of Creative Communications and Production. Yes, so all that is that the whole title? Does that fit That's on a business the title? Card? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do. But we do more, obviously. Okay. But great. that's the title. So Aaron yeah. Olson and then my dear friend Laura Collins who is the creative director and oversees social media and communications <laughs> and pro everything in the world. Well, let's call it communications, creative, video, worship production. Weekend content. All the stuff. Wow. And yeah. she is from Compass Christian Church yes. in Dallas-Fort Worth. Guys, I'm so glad to have you Thanks on this episode. Us. It's going to be great. I don't know where it's going to go. You have no regrets about having us already. <laughs> I have no regrets. Thanks for the opportunity, Rory. This is take or so. <laughs> Um, part of the reason that I brought you two on uh, is twofold. One, Aaron, you just gave a really brilliant talk at our Central Church Learning Community. You were about... there for it. <laughs> but I know it was coming. <laughs> I saw the content. Um, but we talk, you talked all about media, how the church can engage with it in a helpful way. Yeah. So that's one. You have some fresh content that's percolating on your mind yep. about this. But two, I think it's interesting because so much of the church right now I think is experiencing preaching not just on a Sunday morning. They're pre they're experiencing these sixty second sermon clips yep. that are determining not just how people are experiencing the gospel, but it's also experiencing what they think about preaching and how it's yeah. unfolding. Which means that any of you who are watching or, and are listening who are preachers, the conversation about how to engage with media, how to engage with social media outside of the church, but then also the creative side of it inside of the church is a pretty important conversation. So what we often do with guests on here when we have people who are like preaching every weekend is we ask them these first five questions to sort of get them going to try to get a framework okay. about who they are as preachers. But you guys both have preaching experience, but you sit primarily in roles where you watch people preach, you're watching the service unfold, something yep. that you've helped create and direct. So I actually have five questions for you that are a little bit different, but I think it's going to help us sort of get into this space. So the first question I'm, I'm curious about for you guys as you think about preaching, what is like the sermon, the one sermon that you've heard in your life that was the most meaningful? Like it's the one that you can still remember where you were, where you were sitting. Yeah. What was it? What happened? Uh, for me, it was here at New Life, sit okay. on the second row like I always do. And uh, Daniel Groth was preaching on uh, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and I remember sitting there, and um, 
just feeling a true conviction from the Lord because those bridesmaids, they're being so intentional going to the space um, to prepare the bride. And, um, and I remember sitting there and the Holy Spirit just said, Aaron, you're intentional in every aspect of your life, except for with your wife and your kids. Mm. And so, I mean, I was I'm in sure that, that season. Felt great oh, hear. it was beautiful. <laughs> um, because I'm achiever by nature. And so I dedicate so much to work, mm. um, that when I get home, I can usually be a little bit too tired. Mm. Um, and so, man, that's something that I still even remember to this day of when I feel like I'm being a really poor dad or a really crappy mm. husband. I'm like, uh, can't ten, do bri- that. 10 bridesmaids, 10 bridesmaids. That's so interesting. I think what's interesting about it, Aaron, is what you're what you're pointing out is that what stuck with you in a sermon was not necessarily the content. Correct. It was that somebody made space where you were able to be like, "Oh, God is talking to me." Yeah, and telling me something very specific. Mm-hmm. Daniel wasn't trying to be an entertaining, you know, communicator. He wasn't trying to overemphasize anything. He just let the scriptures breathe. Mm. Mm. And I think a lot of times, as I've observed a lot of preachers, they're trying to just cramp so much in 35, 45 minutes that the scriptures take the back seat because mm. their analogy is taking the front seat, their illustrations taking the front seat, and they don't leave room for the scriptures to breathe mm. um, and to permeate the soul. And Daniel does a really great job of that. And that was a Sunday where I was just floored. Shout out to Daniel Grothy. Shout we out to you. Yeah. Um, awesome. Laura, what about you? Do you have a sermon as you think across the scope of your life or your church experience even that you're like, this sermon has just stuck with me? Well, there's two moments that come to mind. One, I remember the first time I laughed in a sermon. And that was, <laughs> I know it's true. Well, as a kid, the church I was going to, you just didn't laugh in sermons. Like, oh, interesting. So when Drew, who became the lead pastor of Compass, came, I remember his first sermon, he told a story that was hilarious and everyone was laughing. And I was like, huh, are we laughing in church? You like, can laugh what? in church. We can do this. Like, okay, cool. So I remember that moment very clearly. And then uh, I also just remember um, seeing a woman preach for the first time. Mm. And this was just through YouTube, where it was very much in my cadence and Mm. slow and it wasn't loud it wasn't yelly Mm. it was just like hey here's the scripture and here's the holy spirit and here's how i'm combining the two and i was like oh women can preach that's Uh, amazing yeah i was gonna ask up to that point was the idea of a woman preaching completely foreign to you yes completely yeah didn't know it was possible Mm. and if if it did happen to me from what i was experiencing it all looked the same like really loud really energetic really like vibrant over the top and Mm. i was like i mean i could I mean, one, preaching wasn't on my radar at the time. But two, even if I tried, I'm not going to look like that. And so to see someone who was completely authentically herself just preaching the gospel as she naturally is, was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's a nice little change of pace. So you guys, a second question for you guys. You both spend a ton of time in the creative space. I think preachers are always striving for some level of creativity. Uh What is the most creative thing you have ever seen a pastor or preacher do in a sermon? Uh, so I'm going to actually say something that I did because, <laughs> <laughs> so I preached a sermon. I don't even remember the scripture, but I had a lazy boy recliner brought on stage in a wheelbarrow in brought a, on stage in, in uh, a wheelbarrow uh, and a oh, wheelbarrow. I was like, oh, how? Sorry. <laughs> 
And so then I preached a sermon, fifty percent from the recliner, fifty percent from the wheelbarrow, of going lo- like a lot of from like I sat you in sat the wheelbarrow. In, okay. I sat in the wheelbarrow. Okay. I sat in the wheelbarrow because you can. You're not l- exactly a short man. I know I'm not. So what's how, was this a? I got it from Big and Tall. So, so I use it as an illustration of like a lot of times we look at the Christian faith that we just want to be comfortable, and so mm-hmm. we'll sit and we'll live our life from the sidelines, sitting recliner yelling and screaming at the TV, whatever it might be, but from the comfort of our own home. Mm. While the Lord's asking us to get dirty, he's asking us to mm-hmm. go out and be the hands and feet. Um, and sometimes we look at work as there's no rest available to us. And the beauty of a wheelbarrow is you can lean it on its handles and it is a chair. So you can work hard in the field. You can go out and hustle. But when you need a break, you can take a break. Is that true? If you 100%. lean it on its handles, it's a chair? Yep. You can sit and recline back in it. I've never sat in a. I well, mean, I know not, what we're gonna yeah. do after this podcast. Yeah. So, who's got a wheelbarrow? So you yeah. should preach more. There's that, and then there's also <laughs> you carrying around a two by four, swinging at people, Me? talking about you know their own eyeballs, planking planking the eye. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then I hit one of our executive pastors with it while yeah. I was preaching. That was your yeah. sermon illustration. It was yeah. mine. Okay, because yeah, my example was also from you. Luke's. Oh, from me. Yeah. Oh, which is okay. the goat. Oh, I did bring a goat. You on brought stage. a live goat on stage. I did. How'd it go? Uh, did it poop it poop everywhere? Backstage. Yeah, there it is. Uh, there's also a lot to that story. That is real rough. We had to like stake it in the back of the church, like just on a leash. Like, it was just oh. spinning. It was like a petting zoo in the back, and children were just running and petting it until I needed to use it in yeah. the middle of the sermon. It was yeah. great. Yeah. So speaking of peculiar things that preachers do, um, do you guys, as people who are helping, like helping Sunday, pull you know, helping pull off a Sunday, do you have things? that are like a it's like a pet peeve when you see a preacher do this or something they say something that makes you be like i've heard people before say like man when a preacher does this i just i'm like i i'm focused on that i check out i can't pay attention to it Mm. uh yeah um (laughs) no but this this is where i lead into like my production dna sure Mm. it's when the the preacher's going next slide yes oh yes because it's like, we know, bro. We got you. Don't worry. Because it could be the computer's having an issue. Mm-hmm. It's nine out of ten times. It's not because we're not paying attention. But I think moments like that can cause a distraction to a service, honestly. So let me ask you a really hard question here. Uh-huh. What should they do? Are we, you asking we, for a friend? If we have preacher, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> asking for a friend. As someone who's never said that from yeah. stage, yeah, right. what, what would be the like better thing to do? Pretend there was never a slide Just in the first going. place? <laughs> One, I, I suppose there's two trains of thought. It's have your notes memorized mm. or have your notes with you. Mm. And this isn't a necklace. It's like we use teleprompters and they are helpful. But I think a lot of times teleprompters and screens can become a crutch. Yeah. And so then when that crutch falls out from underneath you, your habit is to try to catch yourself and be like, oh, next slide. And everyone else in the room doesn't realize a slide was missing. So now we've called attention to mm. what... Yes. Could be a mistake, maybe it wasn't. Mm. It's kind of like when a musician is playing and they mess up a note. You don't know they messed up a note until they're like, <laughs> "Let's let's start you know? the song over." Yeah, yeah. Right. and their yes. face turns to crumble. It's like no one else knew. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, in moments like that, we're we're creating an unnecessary distraction in the service. And so those that that's a pet peeve for me because it's. Hey, yeah. you actually you actually didn't need to be this distracting with it. Mm-hmm. You could have just sort of subtly moved through. Yeah. It. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Laura, what about you? I mean, man, I would say that exact same thing. Like, do I did production as well for a long time. And there is something about the like break in a service of mm-hmm. 
oh, something's wrong, something's mm-hmm. missing, or um, trying to get the blame off of you. And you watch that happen sometimes too, which is just fun. So that, um, I also just sometimes will check out when people are like, you, 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 like very accusatory. And you're like, hey, I bet you do this too, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when you they could say like, us, you could right, say we, instead of using, like, you could the say corporate our, or yeah, like you, 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 I'm like, okay, God. The public berating from yeah. the preacher. Yeah, so you're just like, thank you so much. I've always right? heard that preachers, usually if they focus in, I've heard this, I'm not saying it's true. If they zero in on a specific sin, usually it's something they're living with. Well, now, I'm, now I'm like, now I, okay, I, now I'm never going to zero so in here's on a specific a, sin. So here's a quick <laughs> shortcut of all the times Rory yeah, has existed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it's true. Cut to every time I talked about a specific yeah, I'm thing. not saying it's true. But. Uh, it might be. That's interesting. I think that for that. most preachers, I think the things that they end up saying on stage often are a reflection of the things that they're actually feeling yeah. or thinking about because yeah. it's yeah. fresh to them. Yep. So I think that's both po- that can both be positive, Sure. where it's like, I know that I'm wrestling with this dynamic. So like, I know that I'm wrestling with whatever, making ends meet, having a great marriage, yep. taking care of my kids, whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, or, or even something more extreme. So I think there's a, a positive to a, That's a preacher being transparent yeah. a little yeah. bit. Well, or it's yeah. humanizing the story. Right. Yes. I think that there's also probably a way that that gets dark mm-hmm. or can, where yeah. it's like the thing I'm now sort of lobbing as the greatest sin you could be committing in this yeah. moment is the very mm-hmm. thing that I'm struggling yeah. with behind yeah. the scenes. And I think that's a, that's a difficult thing if yeah. you find a, a preacher doing that. Um, you guys help produce whole services. You don't just think about the sermon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the funniest or most awkward moment you have ever experienced in a worship service? And don't use names. <laughs> Unless I know them. Oh no. Unless it's a I'm story a, about you. Can you go first? I gotta think. Um, I will say anytime there's I mean I already talked about the goat, but I've there have been so many moments where there are live animals involved in a worship <laughs> service. Too many, I would say. I hate when live animals are included. It just they poop, they scream, they cry, smell. they smell, they run off the stage. I'm just like, let's just put an end to it you frequently produce this services this happens with... more than you would think and i'm like why does this keep happening now that i'm like thinking it through yeah i'm anti have you produced a service with a live animal in it no that was all pre-me new life <laughs> used to like throw elephants in the room it was ridiculous wow i mean not really elephants i think giraffes maybe once or twice oh, but the casual giraffe what about you what's the most like awkward thing you've ever experienced in a worship service you know it's it's the freudian slip Oh, sure. You know, yeah, where yeah, yeah. they're trying to say one thing, but something <laughs> else squeezes out. And it's like, mm. or that they're trying to land a joke and they think it's the funniest thing in the world and yeah. no one else is, is riding with them in it. That is always fun. When to the watch. Freudian slip happens, I'm going to ask you another question here. Oh, boy. What is the better thing to do? Do you acknowledge it? Well, or yeah, do every, you just keep absolutely going? Absolutely, you acknowledge it because everyone yeah. else in the room is acknowledging it. Okay. Enter into the space with them. I just th- I think there's always an awkward dance that happens where it's like, I didn't mean to say this. Sure. So it's it's a little bit like the slide thing. If I call attention to it, aren't I derailing the service more than if I just keep going, put my head down? <laughs> no, pray because get the band no one, up there. No, because no, no nobody <laughs> knew the slide the didn't come there. up. Yeah, everyone heard you just drop the yeah. f bomb. So it's like you gotta just you gotta lean into it. Well, and it's not a performance in that point, right? It's just like, hey, this is a human thing that just happened. Yeah. Like, let's all acknowledge that together. Sure. Like when a worship leader yeah. messes up, it just, if you can acknowledge the mess up, 
people usually will lean in more to you mm-hmm. than if you try to pretend like nothing ever happened. Yes. Sure. Like I did that one time. You messed I, up? No. I no. <laughs> never. I, I didn't. I've never messed up. I messed up on the part two of this. So we were doing uh, an event and the console just died on us. Mm. And I got up and was like, hey, let's just let the spirit move in this moment as we're rebooting the system. And the worship leader, I get down, he goes, Guys, the power just shut off. We're just let's just <laughs> say what it is. Like we're just gonna sit here for a moment and wait for it to turn on. So like I I was a moron in that moment. And it was like, well, shoot, I'm a punk for that. Mm. And the worship leader resurrected that moment mm-hmm. by going, No, here's the reality of it. Let's just own it and call it what it yeah, is. Just yeah, just tell the truth. Yeah. yeah. Call a spade a spade. Yeah. Okay, so heading into the conversation that we want to have here, um, thinking about thinking all all things media social media how do how does preaching and all of that intersect um i want to ask a pretty broad philosophical question about this stuff because i've heard people make these arguments is the church does the church even need to be involved in this stuff does the church even need to be engaged in social media is it's there's so much stuff about how it's not it's actually not that great for our brains maybe mm-hmm. it's detrimental to us the church being on it is that actually like a that's actually like a setback are we should we even be bothering with engaging in this field I mean <laughs> I have like a personal opinion and then like what I think is probably actually more realistic um, it's happening whether we want to engage in it or not sure. like. So I was telling y'all before we started recording, I got off social media for a few years. Amazing. A lot happened on social media in the three years I <laughs> yeah. wasn't on. Yeah. Unfortunately, the world did not join me in that. Twitter like, doesn't exist anymore. You know what? That did down with X, up with threads. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I mean. Like suddenly Twitter's gone and threads is here. I'm like, cool. I don't know what that means. Yeah. However, that all happened whether or not I was engaged mm. with it or not. Mm. So, you know, I... I think at the end of the day, to be like, we're completely hands off of social mm. media, probably not the most practical. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, you hear from teenagers and from parents like, well, if they're not hearing stuff from you, they're going to hear it from someone. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if the church is off social media, fine, but people are still going to be in that space and either they hear great news from you or they hear yeah. news from someone else. Yeah. But... Aaron, how do you think about that? No, it's the reality. I mean, everyone's on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it data shows it. it not everyone, obviously, but a majority of people are. And yes, social media is not great for the psyche. It's not great for um, personal well-being, your emotional, mental health. No doubt about it. Um, but it's not because of the platform. It's because of the content. Mm. And so, like, for me, my desire is our church content things like that. I want our content to oppose the other content that might be coming mm-hmm. in. It's like, why would I just let poison exist when I can come up with an antidote for it? Yeah. Mm. And so that's that's my perspective on it. It's like, it's a necessary evil, so to speak. And so I want to enter into it with an intentionality that draws people into something better, sure. not letting them continue to go down a spiral into something worse. Yeah. Sure. So um, Aaron, we said at the top of this episode, you've done some, some real like focused content around this. I think for a lot of preachers and pastors, we even heard this at a central church, the The idea of even beginning to engage with it in more than a like social media is our online bulletin board, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. feels like so overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I think for a lot of them, so unrealistic, right? There are plenty of people who are, to be an influencer on social media, you're posting like all the time, you're yeah. actively, it's like your job, you're focused in on yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, you help really slim some stuff down, though, talking about two sort of key questions you can yeah. ask to help get your brain and your not just you as a, a pastor or a preacher, but your whole church thinking about how to engage with it. Can uh-huh. you talk through some of those for us? Well, if you're gonna, if as a communicator, as an organization, if you're just making a social media account and pumping out content, and there's not a strategy behind it, you're just making a bunch of noise. Mm. There's no impact behind it. And so if you can go into asking two real simple questions and having the answers to the questions, then that helps form um, where you're heading with it. It's not mm. determining your destination. It's giving you the direction to get to that destination. Sure, that's right? good. Um, the data does, all that kind of stuff. And so the first simple question, which is extremely basic, is do you know who you're trying to reach? Like, who are you trying to communicate to? I think as as Christians, as believers, we we take to heart, be fishers of men, cast our net out, try to catch as many people as we can. That's just not realistic these days. Your community, your church is located in a specific community that's going to be different than perhaps another one. Mm-hmm. And so for us to take here at New Life Church, our North congregation, which is uh, can tend to be a little bit more upper middle class, um, fluent, white primarily, and go, we now need to make us look like perhaps a congregation that's further downtown that may have a different socioeconomic mm-hmm. status. It's inauthentic to who we are. We're mm-hmm. not actually making an impact for the mm-hmm. local community that we're in. Um, and so you got to know who you're trying to communicate, and then you just got to understand how you're going to reach them. You mm-hmm. know, The average person is checking their email 77 times a day. They're spending two and a half hours a day on social media. They are picking up their phone 215 times a day. Like That's all just averages. So what I was trying to share at Central Church was the preacher is getting 35 to 45 minutes with these people. The communication people are getting two and a half hours per mm. day with these people. And we have to be mindful of that. And so our content, yeah, it needs to be consistent. It needs to be going out there, but it needs to be intentional. It can't just be plastering and throwing and seeing what sticks. Mm. Yeah. I, I carrying, carrying along that line, Aaron, you're talking about the time differentiation of like you as a pastor are talking for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 40, uh-huh. however long. You These people that are looking at their phones all day long, yep. do you think that... Um, I think that pastors and preachers constantly feel the pressure to be the primary communicator for anything yep. and everything that is going on 100%. in the church. Mm-hmm. Laura, I'll direct this to you. Do you think that like using media, using using a, a communications department, using social media well, I would be under the impression that actually takes the pressure off of their shoulders. They don't have to say every announcement from stage. They don't yeah. have to be the primary voice for everything that is going on. They actually can, that can be released a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting when you talk about like who's being reached through social media, um, I would say there's a difference between who's on Facebook or Instagram. 100%. Like who yep. you're reaching through your Facebook content is most likely someone who's liked your page, mm-hmm. is following your pastor. So yeah, they're going to get your inside content. It's like, hey, we have an event. We have this coming up. Sure. These announcements belong here. But on Instagram, you could be reaching who knows, especially yeah. through reels now, the way that they function. Like you're going to reach people who aren't necessarily following your church. So your insider event information yeah might not actually belong there. It's not helpful. It's not yeah. as helpful as you think it is. Yeah. But I think we for so long have taken the same just blank statement. All social media gets this content and it looks yep. like our emails and it's kind of functioning the same. It's not actually as helpful as we think it is. Mm. No, it's not. And that's why you got to understand each platform mm-hmm. and the demographic. Yeah. So for us, our Instagram leans more towards the 35 to 44-year-old women. Mm-hmm. Facebook is going to be your 55 to 65 
across the board. Mm. YouTube is the 44 to 55-year-old male. Oh, interesting. So you, we can't do the same content for everything. And so like what I, I've told people, even at, at the Essential Church that you brought up, I said, do not just copy and paste across the board. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to work. It's easy. Yeah. It's how you feel like you're making the greatest impact, but it's not doing anything. Because like with Instagram, for instance, um, it'll release, when you do a post, like a feed post, not necessarily a reel or a story, when you post it, it's only going out to 12% of your followers. And you have to have 10% of that 12% to engage with. And that doesn't mean like. It means like comment or share or save before it releases to the rest of the followers. Oh, interesting. So it's like we're, we think that the more content we pump out is going to drive engagement and help us reach more people when the reality is is you're actually hurting yourself by not using the right content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's what this conversation sounds like to me is a really similar conversation to what missionaries have when they get ready to go on a mission field is they're they're having conversations about who is engaging with what why and how it's demographic questions it's trying to figure out like it's trying to figure out how do we take the good news like how do we take the gospel and how do we contextualize it for a certain group of people in a certain place at a certain time i think that's what's really interesting because i again i think for so many people i talk to especially in the ministry world engaging with using their ministries and social media in conjunction with one another feels like such a foreign concept but i think what it's really asking some of us to do is just we've got to do the work of contextualizing our ministries Mm -hmm. towards like the spaces that we find them i think sunday has become the place where we can be pretty like wide in general yeah anything can happen and it can work yeah but these social media platforms are calling for like really specific things that only work in certain places so speaking of that are there are there pastors, preachers, accounts that you guys are going like, these people seem to be doing, they seem to be getting this right. Yeah. Are there are there accounts that come to your mind? There's one that comes to my mind. I don't know about you, Laura, mm. after being off for three years. I know, years, I was like, let, still, me, let me recap. You're still, <laughs> Who do I yeah, still step follow? It oh. um, actually, uh, a pastor in San Antonio, Texas, Community Bible Church, his name is Ed Newton. Yeah. Um, he, he has access to his account, but his creative team also curates content. Sure. Mm. But... He does a phenomenal job. There's a humanity and authenticity to the account, but there's also a certain level of excellence that's being experienced. Mm. He's not. He's he's a young guy. You know, he's mid forties. Um, I mean, he wears flat bill caps and he's wearing Nikes and Jordans, and he's a cool guy. But his content is relevant and it's meaningful. Like mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. draws you in because usually when he's putting something out, there's an inspirational side of it. Mm-hmm. It's not a bulletin board, um, and that's where this he excels really well. So does their church excels really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Laura, to give you a bit of a spin on this question, because I do, I, you are coming into this going like I've I've chosen to be off of social media for three years. Aaron talked about you know authenticity, this sort of like there's a genuine spirit to what someone is doing with an account. Yeah. What are the things that you would say to a pastor, a teacher, a leader who's going like, I want to help you. I want to start utilizing social media for, to expand the reach of the ministry that we're already doing. What are the like things that you would hope to see them carry into that space? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like this should be a no brainer kind of answer, but have we engaged the Holy Spirit in what we're doing? Mm-hmm. It feels like since social media is so cultural that you almost don't have to treat it as ministry in yeah. a sense. You oh, can sure. kind of just be like, well, let me post this quote or this verse or whatever. And just kind of like, eh, this yeah. will be good content. But is this something that's coming from the Holy Spirit? Is this something that um, 
you feel is pressing that you need to share mm. because this is part of your ministry that you're doing. Mm -hmm. As you would prayerfully consider your sermon on a Sunday morning, you would prayerfully consider every post before you post it. Oh, that's um, good. And also I think checking the the reason behind each post, social media is the slipperiest slope of pride mm. versus yeah. actual ministry. Yeah. <laughs> because man, I mean, and how are we all not guilty of this? It was a big sure. reason why I got off was like, I could not disassociate between likes and yep. if this is actually just a nice thing to post sure. that's actually helpful yeah. for people. Sure. The line was completely blurred. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I'm getting my value off of this. Mm. If I don't get enough likes, then this is not working. And man, it's hard to oh, walk that so, line. No, that's so good. Because even as you're talking about it, I'm, again, if if the way you think about it is it's like a mission field, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it is a way to contextualize the gospel, then it can't just be we're throwing things onto it and seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has to have some, not just thought, like not strategy, but it also has to have some spirit behind it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yes, I don't think everything does, right? There's going to be those flipping posts yeah. where you're going to... You know, throw out, man, what a great hike this was. And I, yeah. I, I sure, I think yeah. stuff sure, like sure, that sure. is totally yeah, yeah. fine, right? Absolutely. But you got to be mindful of who who did you get an argument with on social media that now <laughs> you might have to get up and, and preach in front of. Yes. Sure. And so there has to be um, a level-headedness and a humility mm -hmm. to your interaction on all digital platforms. Um, I mean, as creative teams, we're paid to create the micro-sermon. We're paid to to edit down to put something out there that is one going to make the pastor look good, right? We're not going to put out a really crappy quote. We're going to do something really great. <laughs> sure. Um, so Pastor Brady is is cranking all cylinders when he's on social <laughs> media, seconds, right? Sure. Yeah. Because we want to influence the end user mm -hmm. to follow through and click through to watch the whole sermon. So there's there's an intentionality, there's a strategy behind it. So even as the pastor posting, you got to think of your audience because you're not just a preacher to Republicans. You're not just a preacher to Democrats. You're not just a preacher to white people or black people or brown people. You're, you are a pastor to all people. And so you got to be really careful with your, how you navigate the digital platforms. Can you, can you talk about this? Uh, there are four categories or at least four ways that you, you think about people as you use social media. And I don't know that you came up with this, but yeah. it's a helpful framework. Yep. Um, and talk a little bit about those categories and how yeah. you're trying to move them through yeah, so Media. four categories that I see. So the first category, you know, if you look at it, is in the circles that kind of set in within each other, like the Swedish dolls, how one pops into another. The outside one is the community. These are the people who are around your your church or your organization. They are in the orbit of your building. Um, they are not yet attending. They haven't checked it out. So they're just existing in the solar system of your organization. Um, then you have your crowd. Um, which is your next step. And those are the people who are visiting, they're attending. They're not yet committed. They're probably not givers. They're not a part of anything midweek. They're part of the mob. They're part of the mob. That's exactly right. Um, and then you go from the um, crowd to then the committed or your congregation. These are the people who are giving. They're part of bringing their kids to youth group on Wednesday nights. They're part of a men's group or a small group, something like that. Then after that, you have your core. The core are your walking billboards. They're the ones that have the stickers on their back windshield. Sure. They're the ones who are wearing they your wear church your merch, yeah. all that kind of stuff. They're the ones who are all in on you. And so for us in New Life, it's going, okay, well, how do we navigate those four people? Like I'm viewing um, our social media. I'm viewing our live streams through this lens of, okay, who are we going after? So like we'll use our social advertising we're not spending our money on our core, even the committed. We're spending our social advertising dollars on the community going, here's what's, you know, we want to invite you. Here's the life of inside the church. 
to try to get them into the crowd. And then we use the in-room experience, the stage platform announcements, you know, Pastor Brady's email, sure. things like that, to get them from the crowd to the committed. Mm. I really am not worried about the core because mm. they're already in. They're already here. They are tithing. They're givers. They're supporting the ministry. Mm. So great. Kudos to you guys. But from a communication standpoint, I'm not thinking about you. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's so helpful because what it what it helps us do is recognize that in every space we find ourselves, we're talking to people who are with us at different points in their journey yep. and not just their faith journey. Like, I think that's even like a separate conversation, but just their journeys of engaging with your church and how you're then using media, I think impacts all those in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. Let's move a little bit. Um, you guys spend time in the world of media, but Laura, I know you specifically spend a ton of time in the world of like creative direction and how like a church, the like weekend experience is unfolding before us. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask a question f- on behalf of like the preachers that are watching or the lead pastors or whatever. What is what is like the healthiest I- like conjunction or intersection between creative direction and their preaching or their sermons? What is the way that those work together well? How do they work together well? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And it totally depends on who your pastor is, too, Mm -hmm. because some pastors are so uber creative and have so much vision for like, this is what I'm seeing, and I've got this really cool prop or illustration. You're like, that's awesome. Let's work that in with the whole service. And then others are like... I'm just going to preach my message and like, I would love for you to handle that. And like, I, I'll tell you if I don't like it, but otherwise we're good. And so in our context, we've kind of got a combo of both people Mm -hmm. who are preaching. And so it just almost depends on the campus that you're at. Um, cause our church is all live teaching. And so kind of what it looks like for us is just meeting regularly and hearing from them overall, what is like the feeling you hope people are getting Mm. from this series? What's the tone of this series? Mm. Some are light, some are not, some are really, really heavy. And it's like, okay, well then we probably need to know throughout the whole service, like worship's heading to this moment where we're going to talk about like, like we just were in a series on money, sex, and power. Like, okay, that's a heavy subject matter. So what is the look of this series going to be? Like, well, it probably needs to feel like light and easy and not like, dark yeah. and we don't want it to feel like oppressive and those are funny words to use but yeah. when you think about graphics you can kind of know sure. if you yep. see one you're like oh that, okay yep. that's a little intimidating to sure. look at and so that's how we would kind of navigate yeah. that through Aaron is that similar for you here at New yeah. Life or you guys is it a collaborative process what how does that unfold yeah absolutely it, it is definitely collaborative um, I'll work with um, our designers and our film team um, but then our senior leadership team whether it be Pastor Brady or John Egan or something like that to go, okay, what's the next series? And what are we feeling like this is going to play out to be? Because we have to realize that everything that someone sees is saying something to mm-hmm. them. Mm. Um, so every image, every banner, every graphic is speaking something yep. intentionally or unintentionally. And we have to be sure. mindful of that, cognizant of that. So like we have a series coming up that's going to be on gender identity and sex and marriage. And it's like, it's asking the big questions of what does scripture say about these three separate things? That's a, that's a heavy thing to mm-hmm. talk about, especially today. So, yeah. so can I ask, how do you think, how do we, how do we think about the tone of that? Are you guys going like, well, it's a serious topic, so we need to counterbalance it and make the like presentation of it feel light and chipper yeah. and it's going to be great. <laughs> or are you like, no, this is like, we got to be super uber serious yeah. or what yeah. are you trying to find a balance? How does that work? I think it's finding a balance because we don't mm-hmm. want to be manipulative yeah. in what we're creating. We want to 
be truthful in our designs, just like Pastor Brady is truthful when he's preaching the message. Sure. So we need to make sure that what we're creating is matching the intensity and tone of how he's delivering. Yes. The nice thing is, is Pastor Brady is very level. Like Pastor Brady doesn't change. He's not an intense guy and then a super mellow or, or sad kind of guy. So it's very easy to understand, okay, this is where he's going. Mm-hmm. And it's just going, okay, well, what do the colors look like then? What's the font mm-hmm. type? You know, Is there any background imagery that we need to be mindful of? And so it, there is a dance to it. And we don't always get it right the first time, which is why we go through rounds of creative and trying to figure it out. And we present it and go, what do you think? And ah, no, we're not really liking that. And here's the why, why we don't. So it's it's an ongoing conversation. Let me let me ask you guys. I want you both to answer this um, for like the lead pastor or even the executive pastor who's listening to this, who who feels the tension of like, I've got this sermon series or I've got this thing I want to do, but I'm I've got to relay the idea to my creative team and help them at, like figure out what I'm actually doing. But you have those moments where you like just you butt because you're trying you're both trying to solve yeah. the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> What is the thing that you guys would like? What could you say to lead pastors and be be like? Here's what's going through the mind of your creative people when those things are happening. When you bring like this big flaming idea and are like, "Let's burn it on the altar," and then you guys get to work on it. What's the thing that you wish that or that they could know about their creative people? Mm. That's a good question. I think. I mean, first, I would say for creative people. Like, try not to say no if you don't yeah. have to. Yep. The obligatory no is just, it's not helping anyone. So, lead pastors, if you've got a creative person who's not saying no for nothing, then start. can we, yeah, let's get there. Yeah. And then if a no comes, can we accept that and start to have a different solution? But I think for me, like, if I'm saying no, it means because we literally can't fly you in from the ceiling because mm-hmm. someone will get hurt. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's why we're saying no. Yeah. It's not because I don't like your idea. It's not because I don't like your vision. However, it's because our insurance company will not let us. It's all about insurance. <laughs> At the end of the day, why does everyone always want to fly <laughs> in from the balcony? I don't know. Flaming swords and yeah. flying from balconies. So, uh, yeah, but it's like, hey, I love that vision. Here are three other things yeah. that I could do that will accomplish mm. the same vision. Yeah. Mm. So, hopefully, the pastors, you've got someone doing that. And if you don't, what yeah. can you do to cultivate that kind of culture? Yeah, develop that person. Yeah, where you're like, this is how we respond yeah. to feedback. Yeah. Um, That's good. And respond to vision. Aaron, like what would you say to that? Yeah, I think there are two different avenues, right? It is the creative approach, but also the pastoral approach. Mm. So for the creative, yes, don't say no, but you need to be able to ask good questions mm-hmm. to try to understand what the pastor is trying to communicate. Because like they'll go, you know, there have been times where we'll, we'll send out a design and like, ah, it's just not bright enough. What do, you, what do you mean? Yeah. Is it the color? Is it the saturation? Is it just the image? Like it's so for a pastor, they need to be able to articulate what they're looking for and don't get mad if questions are being asked. Because mm. we're not asking questions because we don't uh, believe in your idea. Mm-hmm. We're asking questions because we want to execute your idea mm. with excellence. Yes. Um, and so there's a defensiveness, I think, that some pastors can take. Like I've experienced it where lead pastors are like, I know what I'm talking about. So just do what I want you to do. Okay, but you don't even know what you want to do. <laughs> and so sure. I want to help that for you. So let me ask you questions. So there needs to be a, a humility uh, in dealing with creatives. And it's also knowing that creatives care. Yeah, Like the gifts that we have from capturing and editing film mm. to capturing photography to graphic design to audiovisual lighting uh, in live production, the Lord has given specific individuals that gift. 
and you have chosen to invest financially in that gift. Mm-hmm. So we need to trust that gift. Yes. Doesn't mean that gift is going to be right 100% of the time, but let's enter into the wrestle together to discover what is the right approach for whatever we're coming up with. That's mm-hmm. so good. I love what you both said. So like lead pastors, preachers, like your creative people, man, they care. Like yes. they want they want to help you execute like the Everything but flying in off of the balcony. Yeah, and man, if we could, we would. (laughs) I don't know if I would, honestly. (laughs) I still don't know. We would. Uh, Laura, this question specifically for you. One of the things that Compass does brilliantly is you you tell great stories about what God is doing in the life of the people in Mm -hmm. your church, Mm -hmm. um, which is not just like this standalone, we produce stories and they sit over here. One of the things Drew does so brilliantly is he often will work those into how he's teaching mm-hmm. and not just telling it, but actually showing like this beautifully put together story. Can you talk for a minute about like the philosophy behind not just telling the stories, but even how you guys are executing those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the philosophy behind it um, for me comes from Revelation. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So basically, like a person's testimony is inviting the spirit of prophecy to say what he did for me, he could do for you. Mm. So if someone's sharing their story of a redeemed marriage, Mm -hmm. of financial recovery, of um, mourning a lost child, but coming back to the Lord, like whatever the story is, what he's done for me, he can do for you. Mm -hmm. And it's just inviting this space to say, Holy Spirit can move. Um, And so people know they're not alone Mm -hmm. too, in a really simple way. So that's kind of the philosophy behind the why. And then how it happens, it depends. Sometimes there's a series where like we know, like we just did a marriage series. Well, Drew's like, I've preached on marriage for 20 something years. I'd love to not tell another one of my stories. Mm. Do we have someone else who we could share? So like, yeah, we heard this great story from a marriage class, a really beautiful story of a couple. And so reached out, got their story. Great. Like worked it into the sermon, as you said. How do you guys source those? Is it just like in a staff meeting, someone's like, Hey, great thing that I heard this weekend. Sometimes. I mean, it really depends. So sometimes I'm going, we host a newcomers gathering frequently, probably about once a month where Drew and Michelle invite people into their home. And these are people who are just starting to get engaged in Compass and they go around and kind of tell their story. And I'm usually writing down like, oh, that was a really cool moment. Or like, I bet they've got something interesting there um, to follow up and be like, cool, we could Mm. pocket that for a time where it comes up, or maybe we just need to record it and hold it and it will present itself. We've Mm. done that before too, where it sits for two years Mm. and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is the series where Mm. we're going to bring that story out. out. Yeah. And you, you're kind of like coaching the people Mm. too, like, by the way, (laughs) this is happening. Um, so that's one way. Sometimes if it's like, Hey, we need a marriage story, go to the marriage pastor and be like, who do you know? That's got a great story. And he's like, oh, this couple, just went through this. They're awesome. Like, I think they'd be willing to share their story. And that's the hard part. Some people just don't want to share their story. And so forcing it, which unfortunately I've done where you're sitting with someone, you're like, this is not going well because they do not want to be here. (laughs) But they felt a little coerced into telling their story. And so you're like, okay, well, let's not do that again. Mm. So there is a fine balance of knowing like, this is a story that they want to tell that's worth telling. We all feel comfortable with it. Um, and this is going to really help people experience their mm-hmm. testimony. That's so good. I love that you guys do that. It's one of the, it's one of the best things that Drew does at mm-hmm. Compass. It's one of the best things that Compass does. Um, the way that we end these episodes is we always ask our We're ending guests. Already? I know. I, do you want to keep talking? Do you have some more stuff you want this to talk about? This has been a fantastic conversation, Lauren. <laughs> I, we'll keep Rocky talking starts, off the solid in the middle. <laughs> yeah, Rocky starts, <laughs> solid We covered in the about 30 minutes in. We're, we're cranking. One of the things that we ask people who come on here as guests is, um, you know, you have we have the privilege of doing this and talking to people who are getting ready 
probably right now as we talk to preach in a few days. Yeah. They're going to go stand up for 30 minutes and mm -hmm. give it all that they got. Um, what is a like word, a pastoral word of encouragement, challenge, whatever it might be that you would love to share with these folks? Uh, I think for me it would be um, to stop performing. Mm -hmm. um, the adults in the room can tell. Yes. So just be you. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Okay. As awkward as you might be, <laughs> as awkward as you Why'd might you stare be. stare at me when you said it? <laughs> because you are the preacher in the room as right now. As awkward as they might be. <laughs> I, I think so many pastors feel like they have to present themselves in a, in a, I'm, I got my life together mm -hmm. and I know what I'm talking about. The Lord speaks through me. And it's like, man, you have had stomach cramps just like I have, like just... <laughs> Just be yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. and uh, speak authentically to to who you are, because the rest of us want to enter into that same humanity with you. Mm. Um, so stop the performing. Stop trying to come up with the latest greatest. Yes. The, the scriptures don't need your creativity. Mm. They just need you to deliver it. Mm. Mm. Good word. Stop performing. Laura, what yeah. about you? Yeah, I would say start reframing how you approach creativity. Mm. Um, you just said it like for the next best thing or to compete with XYZ yeah. church. Yeah, um, what some pastor in a 60 second clip did. Yes, and, yeah. where we know you're seeing a highlight, not the full story yeah. of what's happening. Um, but I just think there's a three word phrase that like has been with me all year, which is just creator inspired creativity. Mm. Simple as that should be. How often do I go off that mm. and start doing it for my own pride mm. or to prove something or to mm -hmm. compete um, or to just be creative for the sake of checking the creative box, but inviting God into that process mm. with you. Like he is the most creative being. So what does he have to say yeah. about this? And what does he want from you when it comes to creativity? Wow. So good guys. Thank you. And this conversation certainly does not even come close to like scraping the bottom of the barrel on media and creative direction and how it mm. all flows together in the church. So hopefully for those of you that are watching and listening, this is just like a part two. Uh, yeah. This part two. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Take us 40 <laughs> We're going to rally and then come back. <laughs> no, but hopefully, hopefully this is just like enough <sighs> of a taster or enough for you to like start asking some really good questions mm. about how you're doing things or about the things that you're not yet doing that you need to start doing. Um, so thank you guys both for joining us. Thank you. You, you know, you, you work here. Your <laughs> office is upstairs. You drove all the way from Texas I to did. be here today. So thank you for being here yeah. with us, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>